0: Amen, aren't you thankful today for how much Christ really loves us, amen? There's really no words that can describe it how much Christ loved each one of us in here today, amen? And not just because he was a good prophet, but because he shed his life on the cross for each and every one of us, amen? That's the coolest thing about Jesus, is that he died for everybody in here, amen? Not only did He just die for everyone that's sitting in here this morning, He also wants to experience a, a just a great relationship with you this morning. Amen? And how many times do we get so busy and so tied up and running here and going there and, and Christ is all He's looking for us is just a walk with Him. Amen? That's what He wants out of most of us, all of us in here this morning. Not most, but all of us this morning. He wants that relationship and what a, what a just a, greater sense of joy that you have when you're in that walk with Jesus Christ. Amen? It's good. Some of you that wonder, what's he breaking up for? Then you ain't found the right place with Christ yet. Amen? Some people say, well, I don't know why he's breaking up over a relationship with Jesus. Then you are a casual Christian. Amen? Because when you find the right place with Jesus, he breaks you up, Amen. The cross means more than just a symbol or a necklace. It means something that you base your whole life around that you raise your whole family around. This is why we meet here on Sunday mornings. Is to worship Jesus. It's not about the songs, it's not about who's who in the church. It's not about whether you like me, don't like me, don't like so-and-so. It's about Jesus, amen? That's what church is about. And that's why Jesus called us together as a church body, amen? That's why he called all of us together to worship him. If you can't get that, then you're a long ways where you need to be, amen? Amen. I'm going to do something that Baptists don't do much, but I'm going to ask you to stand again, amen? Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. And Lord, there ought to be every heart in this building ought to be appreciative to be able to walk into your presence. And Lord, what a great opportunity you give us that we can boldly approach your throne. And Lord, you give us the grace. Grace wasn't there just to save us. It was to be there with us every day. Because you knew that we would need your grace every day in a walk with you in the world that we live in and the sin and just... Lord, sometimes the destroyer, the devil, Satan, your Bible calls him the thief, comes in to steal, kill, and destroy everything that we have sometimes in a relationship with you. But Lord, let us recognize your spirit this morning, your words that that you are speaking. It may not be audible and it may not be a burning bush, but Lord, you can still speak through convictions and speak to our conscience this morning, Lord, and draw us all, Closer to you this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said Amen. Amen. We're going to be preaching again last week at the fall fest. Preached on the, the next generation and the generation is coming up. And and I love that verse. Tina, if you could go to Judges first in Judges, I love that one verse in Judges chapter two, verse ten, where they was trying to explain in these verses and if, and if you want to read more of this chapter earlier in the chapter you can but in judges they were talking about what a great experience the people had in the past and isn't it funny how when we come to church we always talk about how things were so good in the past i don't know what it is boy i remember when i went to that church we baptized 25 one day it, it was so good boy the holy spirit was moving and then and then I was even going through, and I've showed this picture many times. There's a picture that my neighbor has. His name's Tommy Sarles. He lives out by Aubert Road. He has ponds out there in his in his pasture. And there's one picture that I that I love and, and I always carry this picture a lot of times when I do revivals and different things. It has on his pond dike, it don't have just one person waiting to be baptized. He has twenty-five to forty-five people. <laughs> Waiting down the pond dock, the pastor is out in a, you know, remember this is out in a pasture, in a pond. You say, well man, that cold water is not so bad, at least it's clean, amen? But they're out in the middle of a pond and, and he's baptized and the next one's waiting to step off into that pond and to be baptized. And they're lined up on this pond dock. And it seems like we always talk, well, that boy, that was a great day in the Lord. Boy, back then when God... Did you know, I, I want to tell you, God's the same yesterday, today, and He's the same God for the next generation. He's the, he, he's the most powerful God for the past generation. And I'm thankful for our past generation. I'm thankful for the people that led us. Did you know, everybody in here probably can find a person that led them in a closer walk with God in the past generation. And now today, as we're in the present time in our generation, and, and you always now, now it flip-flops from the past how great God was to when we get to this generation, sometimes all we can talk about is the bad stuff. Talk about how bad things are happening in this generation, how America has fallen away from God. But I always go back to this. The White House isn't the one that made us fall from God. We, can't, we quit humbling ourselves in the sight of God and praying and reaching up and say, God, I need you. I need you to give me direction and calling and give me a discerning spirit to lead my family and my church and to make the right decisions in my own life. I, the government can't do that for me. That comes out of a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we need to remember that today when we go to blaming folks on the, this generation, the next generation coming up, everybody says, boy, I wouldn't want to be in that next generation. It's because we produced it. Amen? We forget about that, but we produce the next generation. So how we want the next generation to live for Christ has got to be with this generation today, how we're living today for Christ. I mean, it really and truly, it's not, about, it's not about, hey, don't do this, but hey, follow me when I do do this. The right thing for Jesus Christ, the right, the right, godly conviction. And I love this verse. It says, "When all, when Joshua, they talked about the parting of the Red Sea, and they seen the power of God. Man, Moses and Joshua, and these people in the wilderness for forty years, they seen the hand of God move. And today in the church, you don't hear a lot about God moving. Amen. When I mention, I can see it today." When I mention during the week, and, 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 and especially in the Baptist church, I'll run into some of my Baptist friends or wherever during the week, and I'll say, how was church service? How is Pleasant Hill doing? The Holy Spirit is really moving last Sunday, or He's moving now through our, I think He's guiding us this direction. They're going, oh, we just had church. There's got to be a sense that we sense that we know the moving of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes right choices, I know this, right voices lead to right choices. And I know because I have a boy that's growing up that's going to be graduating this year, and we need to learn to listen to the right voices. Amen? But when all the generations have been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them. Who? This is scary who did not know the Lord nor the work which He had done for Israel. Sometimes it just scares me to know that our kids and, and grandkids that will be coming up in the future years may not know the Lord. May not know the works of God. They don't know what it means for the movement of the Holy Spirit. They don't know what it means to be convicted and to be saved and to go to a church service and walk out there saying, that was such a Spirit-filled presence of God in that place that, that it just changed me in the direction that I'm going. It actually, when I left church today, I came in being burdened down. I felt like I was just yoked up with a lot of things in this world. But when I left, it was such a spirit-filled service that God spoke to me and he just lifted them burdens off of me and gave me peace. We need these type of services and we need the next generation to experience what it means to be in the presence of God. But church today is so much turning on let's fill the buildings let's build more and, and listen and the more the longer I preach and the more people I have to deal with in church a house full is doesn't mean that you have the presence of God in that place there's a lot of people that come to church today for the wrong reason and it, it's just it's just scary to know that. What about this generation that's graduated and sitting right here, grows up, and doesn't know the Lord or his works? I'd be very ashamed as a pastor to be able to preach the gospel for them to stand up and say, we didn't see, I'm thankful we have it here, but I'd be ashamed if I pastored behind this pulpit, and it's been going on 11 years now, and we didn't see lives changed and, and, and marriages healed and people in a different direction, but all we had was just church. And we met on Sunday morning. We sang through these songs. But our kids don't know what it means to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's more than just going... We're not in this walk by ourselves, guys. He's a comforter. He's there to guide and to lead us into all truth. And I would be ashamed, Wanda, to know that I pastor a church. And when one day, we're all going to be remembered for something. Amen. We all—I I seen a shirt here a while back. I thought it was pretty cool. It said, I, "I I preach my own funeral." And you do by what we do every day. At the end, I preach a lot of funerals, but that funeral is being preached for forty years. On what kind of influence are we having on this generation? What kind of influence does Pleasant Hill have on this community? Do people know when pleasant, just the word. Now Jesus is, gets all the glory, amen? But the Bible says he works and gives glory through his church. That's how he gets his influence out and communities are changed and lives are changed or through the church. And I know there's a lot of people, I don't like church. Well, you will never experience God's glory in the right way. Church ain't perfect. And ain't even the right word. Church isn't perfect. It never will be. Because we're all sinners. But people are always looking for the perfect church. I tell people all the time, won't you join and you'll make us unperfect. Amen. Because there's no perfect people out there. But it would be scary. And this needs to be on our hearts and minds as a church. As we continue to move forward in the next two and three and four and five years, what kind of impact are we making on this community? When people hear Pleasant Hill, do they say, wow, that's God moves in that house? Or do they say, that church is full of money? Huh. Ha! That's what I always tell them. But you know what? Listen, guys. It's not always about the building and the money and what we do. We need to give, we need to tithe, and we need to do what God commands us to do. But it's not about having the biggest building in the county. I would rather have more influence when people walk in, when they leave, say, Wow, God just rocked my world this morning. I would rather for them to do that than to say, Hey, that's the most beautiful. Most people don't come to Pleasant Hill and say, This is a beautiful building. But that's not why I preach for beautiful buildings. That's not why we go to church for beautiful buildings. You've got kids sitting beside you, little kids that you're holding. Some of your kids are down in children's church. You want to see the Holy Spirit in Christ make an influence on them and an impact on them over the next two or three, four, five, six years. That's why we come to church is to make an impact on them to know that God is real. That when somebody brings up God, that God healed my grandma. God did this. God touched my son. God healed my marriage. He's still in the business of doing that, guys. But we live in a generation and we keep going that direction whether in 10 years, 15 years, the next generation is not going to know the Lord or the power of the works of the Lord. It's because we have wiped and I'm very big on this. I wipe the Holy Spirit out of church. It becomes a, I just wonder so many times, I would love, I wish God one day if I, when I die, he makes me a guardian angel to come back to the churches and lets me take the Holy Spirit out of some of their services and see if they go on as business as usual or can anybody ever tell. You say, what do you mean? Would we know if God said, I'm going to do something to Pleasant Hill this morning? I'm going to pull up my spirit's presence out of that building. They're going to come to church. They're going to sit in the same pew seats that they sit every Sunday. They're going to shake they got the same mind frame. I just want to know, do they know if my presence was even there? And they sung four songs and he preached, but was my presence in that building? See, we need to know right voices lead to right choices. There was a saying by Jonathan Edwards. Did I, I think i give you that one, Tina. The obligation of every generation is to understand what God is doing and then do it together with Him. Does, it, does everybody understand what God's trying to do in this church? You say, amen, amen. You know what? I can tell by your actions. You say, you're being mean. No, I'm just preaching. That's the only way I know to preach, guys. I mean, I can sit here and say we all love each other and you're God's children and we work together and everybody's busy in this church. They're committed to Jesus. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Let's go to the house. Take up an offering. That's not, I guarantee if you went back in the Bible and listened to Jesus preach, Peter preach, and Paul preach, he didn't preach that to them. Sometimes God wants us to get our lives going in the right direction. He don't always want to preach what we want to hear, but what the Holy Spirit is wanting to convict us about. And not everybody in this church worships for the right reason. Sometimes I come in here on Sunday out of the wrong reason. You're the preacher. Amen. Also, if you pinch me, I bleed. I hurt. Amen. But we need to figure out in this church the obligation of every generation to understand what God is doing. And let's do it together man, if God is wanting this church to impact this community, then let's do it. Let's quit talking about it, preaching about it. But most of us are saying, well, when I get time and I get financial ready, I I got news for you. You finding your calling and getting busy for God is just like being saved and having kids. (laughs) You're never going to have enough money to have kids. You're never going to have enough money to fix yourself up for the presence of Jesus. You're never going to have the right car, the house. You're never going to find the right church to get you where you need to go. It's never going to happen. All Jesus asked us to do, Randy, is just to step out on faith and follow Him. Be obedient. That's all He is calling Pleasant Hill to do is just be obedient. And I know when I start preaching obedience, you say, well, the numbers will get lower. Let them get lower. I'll preach to 50 that want to go for God. Amen. It's not about the numbers anymore. Because I believe when people's hearts are right with God, He's going to keep sending the people that we need for this church. I've been, here, I've been here 11 years. I've seen it happen time and time and time again. There's been some good people that have left. And there's been some people that's going, Oh, Brother George, don't let them go out the door, please. Oh, oh. But they tithe so much. Oh, oh, I've had people leave the church and people come up. You know I want you to know. And they try to put their godly voice on. I just want you to know in the name of Jesus. They tithe the whole bunch and you run them off. <laughs> we need to be here for the right reason. The obligation of every generation is to understand what God is doing. And do it together with Him. That's why we're here. Amen? Amen. Sometimes I'm preaching a whole lot better than y'all's letting on, I'm telling you. Let's look at this, right choices. I love this story. Can we go to that, Tina? I wasn't going to read the whole story, but I may may end up right here on this story. In 2 Chronicles chapter 10... There is a story about, it's so important to make the right decision, especially our kids. Because the reason I know is parents are the dumbest people in the world. I mean, can I get an amen there? That's what most, that's what I thought of my mom and dad. And hey guys, if you're honest, all you grown-ups here that have kids that are teenagers or married You thought the same thing about your parents. Amen. How many thought that about your parents? They don't know what they're talking about, man. I mean, they're older. They're not with it. They're not in the latest fads. They don't know what's cool and what's not. It's not about being cool. It's about making the right choice. Short-term choices have long-term effects. In our lives. Amen. Look at this story. Here's a story about a man named Rehoboam. Rehoboam was the son of Solomon. King David was his grandpa. Now Solomon has died. The Bible says in a few verses for this that he rested and they led him with the other kings, and now the throne is given to Rehoboam. Rehoboam has a choice to make. Solomon put very heavy taxes and revenues on this generation. And he was with a dilemma. Do I lighten the load on this generation here now that I'm king? Do I, am I not as tough as my dad Solomon was? Well, what do I do? And so he goes for advice. Now, here's where it falls, the older and younger generation. He goes to this older generation first and asks us for advice. These were advisors to King Solomon. So look what he said. It says, Then he sent for him and called him and Jeroboam and all of Israel came and spoke to... How would you like to name your kids all this? Bones. Amen. They had a lot of bones running around. Then he sent for him and called him and Jeroboam and all of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam. Your father made our yoke heavy. Now therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father... And his heavy yoke which he put on us. And we will serve you. And he said to them. Come back to me after three days. And the people departed. Then Rehoboam consulted the elders. Anybody know what an elder is? (laughs) Old folks. Old folks. I would expect that to come from this generation. It come from the other side. Amen. Some, just because you're old, don't mean you're smart. Then, King, amen, King Rehoboam consulted the elders who stood before his father Solomon. This is all his advisors that advised the wisest king Israel ever had. While he still lived, saying, how do you advise me to answer these people? These people have come to me. They want to know, they're telling me to take the burden off them, the tax burden off them. Lighten up a little bit. Your dad was really tough. Lighten up. He talks to the older generation and says, what should I do? And they spoke to him saying, if you, now here's what, here's their advice to this young uh, Rehoboam, young guy. This is one generation speaking to the younger generation. He says, and they spoke to him saying, if you are kind to these people and please them and speak good words to them, they will be your servants Forever. But he rejected the advice which the elders had given him and he consulted his buddies. It says young men. But these guys that he grew up with, his high school friends, friends in this generation, he he consulted them. And he consulted these men, young men who had grown up with him who stood before him. And he said to them, what advice do you give? How should we answer these people who have spoken to me saying, lighten the yoke which your father has put on us. And he's saying, guys, y'all are my age. We grew up together. I mean, you can, you can relate to me because we're both 30 years old. And I'm not, but I'm just using it as a metaphor. We're both 30. We grew up. We went to the same school. Guys, the older generation said, I need to be a little lighter on these guys than my dad. And I don't understand that. We, we got to keep these taxes going and keep the people going. Guys, what do y'all think we ought to do? And here's what they said. Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke to him saying, Thus you should speak to the people that have spoken to you. Your father has made our heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to them, my little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. You say, well, that don't sound, I mean, that's no big deal. He's got a fat pinky. No, that's not what he's meaning. He's meaning he's going to be, you think my daddy was tough? You wait till I come into power. I'm the new king. I'm fixing the. Man, I'm fixing to grip my teeth and say, I'm king. And now, whereas your father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add the yoke your father has chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. And Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day, and the king had directed, saying, Come back to me three days from now. The king answered them, Roughly, King Rehoboam rejected the advice of the elders. Who did he reject the advice of? Somebody over here said the old people. Hey, believe it or not, there is people that are older than you that, hey guys, listen, your parents and all some of these people that go to this church, hey, and some other friends in your life, they're older, they got great advice. But see, here's the problem. I'm not gonna read this whole story. I'm gonna stop there because what happened was Ray Abom went with his buddies. He went with what was in style. Amen? He went with what was cool for that day. And here's where we are today in our own spiritual lives. And so there's churches today, they do whatever the fad is in. And I'm all for getting out of the box and reaching people in new and inventive ways. But the gospel is still the gospel. There's only one way to come to Jesus and that's through Him. There's only one way to get forgiveness is to repent and turn and go to the cross. That's that, that's pretty cool. That's been the message for thousands of years through the cross over two thousand years after Christ died on the cross. Hey, I'm all into new things. Amen. I'm all into trying things. I think the church gets stalled when they say, Well, we ain't never done that before. We're not doing that. We need to try new stuff and renovative stuff and Amen. How I many all agree? I mean. Do you want, to eat the same, you want to eat the same supper for the next six months? Every day, fried chicken, mashed potatoes. Everybody says, oh, I love that. Well, just come back in six months and see if you like it. Six months of fried chicken, macaroni, mashed potatoes, and gravy in a biscuit. Me and Mevlin this week, for some reason, about Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know what we had every night? It wasn't planned. Chicken! I mean, the first Monday when I ate chicken, it was great. I grilled it, added some potatoes in this, and made all this other stuff. She had some barbecue beans, and she made homemade potato salad. I felt like King Rehoboam sitting on the throne. It was good. But then Tuesday night rolled around. You know what we had? Chicken. and gravy. Potato Salad biscuits so I switch. I messed her up on Wednesday night I love my friends down at Chicken Express I walked in there at Chicken Express just to get some tea and he says well George let us bless you with a meal I said sure guess what it was chicken so I get home when she gets off I've been picking her up this week because of her cars in the shop and on the way home she goes what's that smell I said Oh, I picked up supper. What are we having? Chicken. She goes, oh, I don't know. I might get something else. But she wound up eating something. What I'm saying is, we love it at the beginning. It's okay. But after about, but can you imagine churches? That's just three days. There's some churches have been doing mission work and gospel work and reaching their community the same way that their grandpa was. You mind if I tell them what, I, can I tell them your words that you said of the night, Sue Ann, down at Lee Chapel? This was coming from uh, Sue Ann down at Lee Chapel. She walks through the church and we went down and said, I said, yep, yeah, this is it, this is where the teens are gonna meet, have, church, have their services, the student ministry, is gonna be great. She walked through, and come back in, she goes, man, And I thought, what's wrong? This place looks the same as it did when I was 12. And we wonder why our churches are shutting the doors. Amen? We need to be relevant. We need to to go and reach people in new, relevant ways with the same gospel. That don't change. Our ways may, our methods may, but the message never changes. Amen? We've got to remember that. But I see a lot of these churches today, they're new, fad. These preachers wear these nice. These glasses must be in for preachers. They're black, kind of rim. They look kind of like Urkel glasses to me. But you've seen them, they wear them and they spike their hair up. And mine's, mine's pretty spiky. I just keep it on the low side. Sometimes I keep it on the no side. Amen? It just depends the older I get. And they wear the coolest jeans, you know, and the nice hip and the greatest, best colors in the background. And, oh, it's great. But I wonder sometimes if the next generation is not experiencing a spirit-filled service. Media is great. I want to use it in this church. We need to keep using it. Technology, we need to keep going forward. But technology never saved a soul. Amen? Amen? The gospel, by using technology, saves souls. That's what saves souls. And so Rehoboam, he didn't take the advice from his older generation because, listen, guys, we need to seek advice from the people that love us and care for us the most. Amen. It just amazes me how kids today, you know, your kids and my kids, I'll tell Hunter something to do something. He'd believe his friends before he does his dad. Has that ever happened to y'all or is this just something new that's coming out? I'm like, what? You would believe a little snot-nosed, skinny 10th grader over me? Your dad, the one that buys this and does this and goes here and wants the best for you, but you'll believe some kids you see less than eight hours a day at school? He knows what he's talking about, Dan. Hey, Amen? This is just like Rehoboam. He needed to listen. What the the older generation was trying to tell him, if you'd show this group of people a little bit of grace, they'll serve you the rest of the days of your life on the throne. See, short-term decisions have long-term effects. You say, well, I don't know. Well, well, how do we make the right decision? Number one, we've got to have a discerning heart. And if, 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 if the Holy Spirit, if you're saved, and the Holy Spirit's in you, He is a discerner. From good and evil, good thoughts, bad thoughts. Thoughts that He discerns things that nobody else knows you're going through. Because there's, th- let me tell you, there's things going on in that head of yours and mine that don't need to be going on sometimes. Amen? And the Holy Spirit, this is thing, I'm talking about things that go on that this church don't see that your wife don't even see. Anybody ever been there? Is it just me? I, I know I got a little brain, but I got about six here that's willing to admit the devil will play mind games with you. He will always show you what's greener on the other side. That's why the marriage rate is almost at 50% in Christians getting divorced because the grass is greener on the other side. That's why abortions are up four out of 10 unwanted pregnancies end in, in abortion. And I get real close to abortion. Everybody says, well, I don't know why you get so hot about abortion. My son was 22 weeks. I just seen on the Facebook last week that a 22 or 23 week baby was aborted. Right voices lead to right choices. Wrong voices Lead to wrong choices. The devil wants you to have a quick way out this morning. Just get rid of it. Do this. Sweep it on the rug. It'll be okay. Go down the road. Go down the road. Just, just keep living like you are. Nobody will know. But he forgets to tell you God knows the intentions and the desires of your heart. Amen? Look in Hebrews 4.12. I want to show you these two real quick. This is how we get a discerning spirit. Is it really... Hold up, I'm, I'm all confused. Is it five after one? I should have known not to ask y'all. Somebody needs to fix that clock. I hope you're convicted and take it down after service. For the Word of God is living and powerful, it's sharper than any two edged sword. Piercing even to the division of the soul, of the spirit, soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts. People all the time say, I just can't make good decisions. Good decisions are birthed out of God's word and godly convictions. I'm telling you, that's good. I, y'all put that on Facebook for me. I just come, that's good. Listen, I can't even say it again. What did I just say? There it is. Our decisions should be birthed out of God's Word and godly convictions. People say, I can't make the right decision. We, you can't just be in God's Word on Sunday or watch it on the screen when I'm preaching and then go back out and expect to make the right decision. The more I'm in God's Word, the more He's discerning my thoughts and them voices that influence me, He lets me know where they're good voices or bad voices. And, that, and I'm not talking about peer pressure. Just don't happen to this generation. Peer pressure happens to us older folks. It's not just a school thing. You get out of school, you still got to deal with peer pressure. Every day on your job, adults, you've got to deal with peer pressure. Somebody tells a certain joke and it's off color. Do you laugh? And <laughs> I got to remember that one. Or is it a discerner? Listen, does the Holy Spirit discern your thoughts outside these walls? If he's inside of you, he does. Somebody says, I ain't heard God in a long time. I don't hear that voice like that no more, Brother George. Well, the problem is, is you left God. He didn't leave you you remember how you used to be in the Word all the time and you had such joy and such peace and so excited because you was in the Word doing this? I'm not talking about church stuff. Amen? I'm not talking about being fully active in church and trying to be a part of it. I'm talking about just one-on-one with Jesus. And let Him, and I, I just be, and see even pastors go through this. Man, I can be up here pastoring and leading and doing and still not listen to the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all are going, you do it as parents? You do it on the job? It's in the flesh. That's why he cuts straight through fleshly thinking. Not only does he do that, but go to the other one in Hebrews 5. Hebrews chapter 5. I think it was 14. But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason to use, have their senses exercised to discern both what? Good and evil. You say, well, how do I make the decisions? You've got to grow in the Lord too. I know people that are babes in Christ, been saved for 50 years and still making stupid choices. How about over here? Can I get an amen over here somewhere? Golly. Just because you're 60, don't mean you make good choices. It's how close you are in the walk with God and how you're maturing in the Lord to make godly decisions. Just because you come to church and you hear me preach and you leave out of here, don't mean you're gonna make the right decision. How many of y'all make all? See, Mevlin... <laughs> I'm on her today. She said something yesterday. We was watching a Razorback game, and she says, "Oh, oh, yeah, you're right, George. I'm wrong." For once. (laughs) Remember that? And when she said that, I relate that. That's sometimes how my walk is with Jesus. He convicts me and does this. And I'll say, Jesus, you know, you're a discerner of my thoughts and good and evil. You're right this time, but I know what's best for me anyway. And we really walk away from the throne of grace. Here's another saying you can write down. Jesus don't need help being Jesus. Amen? He don't need your help to be Jesus. All you got to do is surrender down to Him and say, Lord, man, you've been convicted me. You're right. People think it's so hard to get back and get that joy in the Lord and get close to God. But all it is is saying, well, you're right Once. Gee, see, we got to get out of that thinking in this generation and knowing that God knows best. He knows. Listen, He cares what you buy at Walmart. Give me an amen, gentlemen. He don't worry about the big stuff. Do I buy this car? Do I take this job? Do I go here? He's worried about the little things that goes on in your mind. That wants to discern and cut it out and filter it that nobody knows about. He's worried about that morning is your house. Because, see, what's in your heart eventually is going to come out through your mind and then your mouth. All you gotta do is listen to people, and you can tell how much they love the Lord, how much they love the church. Listen, no, 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 let me take it back. Listen to them after services. (laughs) they're spewing poison, run! It's the wrong voice. Leave the wrong choices. Discerner. We've got to develop a discerning heart. How many of y'all this week when you leave here, do you think that the Holy Spirit going to speak up and help you discern your thoughts when you leave here today? How many had it happen last week? It was a discerner. And I used the example years ago, and I wish i had have brought it today. It's like a smoke alarm. Remember the smoke alarm I used that day? Some of us are used to the alarm. Man, you can sleep through that alarm. Hey, Amen. You have got a built in snooze button in your brain. And you hear that thing go spiritually speaking, you can just go. You're right once. Thank you for preaching for me, man. We got to learn to develop a discerning heart. It's not that we don't get convicted or know about the convictions. We don't respond to them. We just push the snooze alarm on the conviction and keep living life like we've always left it. And then we get mad at Jesus for not fixing me and my family, my marriage, and my church. Sometimes you've got to repent and turn away from sin and other things in our lives, and this world. That's how you have revival. Humble yourselves and pray and turn. Turn. Well, I don't understand it. You know, I I still have the same drug problem I had since I was in high school. I don't know why God's not blessed. He's been convicted. Turn. Here's what the biggin does in church. Well, everybody else does it, so I'm like, mac mac meh, meh. You just put the sleep button on it. Ain't nobody judges me but God. Eh, 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 eh. It's a discerner of your thoughts. Blame it on God. Amen. And the last thing be unique. We need some unique people. I figured y'all wives would said i married one. We need to be unique for God. Don't be the same Baptists that they were 50 years ago. Amen? I mean, be unique for God. The most powerful people were unique for God. Remember David? David reminds me of going to a Baptist church. Because King Saul in that, if you got that, Tina, can you go to that in 17 first? When he, remember when he was fighting Goliath? And he got ready to fight Goliath, and David comes out there with just this little pocket of rocks and a slingshot. And Saul says, oh, no, you can't do that. If you're going to be great for God and win this battle, you've got to wear my armor. And that, listen, this has been the biggest downfall of the church is that with the next generation is making them wear their armor. Sing the song like I do. Sing the same songs. Sing the same way. Believe the same way. Teach the same way. Dress just like me. I knew I wouldn't get no answers. But that's all right. I'm going to keep preaching anyway. Our older generation got to understand, they're not going to look like you. Hey, believe it or not, you don't want to tell nobody, but you had the same problem parenting your kids. You try to make them act, live and believe and do just like you did. And I'm not talking spiritual. I'm just talking about actions. I mean, if I, was shot, if I hunted with this gun, you've got to have this thing gun. If you're going to fish, you've got to have this kind of pole. My daddy had it. My grandpa had it. Now we're giving it to you. And listen, We need to pass things down to the younger generation that's going to build them up. That's not what I'm saying. I'm talking about whether you want to or not, God called your kid to be unique and not like you. That's why all people say, that's why I I hate the preacher's kid mode. When's he going to preach? He probably won't. (laughs) I don't advise him to do it. And I've told him that I want to be the lord if he ever called you to preach but don't do it cuz your daddy's doing it. It's a terrible life sometimes to have. And for some of y'all that don't understand, you don't know. You sitting back here in the dark anyway. Flip the little switch on. It's not a good life to all. It's the most rewarding. It's God called I would love it sometimes if I didn't have to deal with people. <laughs> but you know what? The church is made up people. But see, we always assume that's what my kid's going to do. There, We need to let them be unique in God. David couldn't wear Saul's armor. He had to go out there and kill them with what he killed them with before. A slinging rocks. Amen. And let's never forget that God's grace is always here for us. All we got to do is boldly approach. Hebrews 4, 16. Keep being faithful, guys. Everybody in here listening to this. You may be at attack by the devil right now and I'm fixing to quit, but I've got to tell you this. You may be having a hard time. You feel like you're running out of gas and juice, but you've got to keep being faithful to your Lord and Savior. Because what you're going through right now is a season. And there's a better one on the other side. Amen. You say, are you talking about heaven? No, I'm talking about this life. I go through seasons all the time. I'm not always happy, joyful. (laughs) There's sometimes I want to get in the closet and cry and don't talk to nobody. But God has told me, it's a season. Your marriage is a season. Your job is a season. This church is a season. But that's why the writer says, don't change for the seasons. Be the same who you are. Be instant in season and out of season. That means keep coming back. Keep coming back to the cross, amen? Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. Lord, help us to be faithful in the good times and in the bad times of our lives and not just inside this building, but Lord, help us be faithful outside this building. But most of all today, Lord, be a discerner of our thoughts. Be a discerner of good and evil in our own minds. But Lord, we always got to keep moving forward for you because if we ever slow down and want to take a break from serving you the devil comes in and still kills and destroys what we have in our walk with you so Lord I don't, I don't know who's here this morning that needs this but we've all got to go back to that throne of grace as a child of God we can go at any place, any time we can boldly approach no matter how we failed or fall God is always there in his grace to lift us up He's faithful and just to always forgive. Aren't you glad of that this morning? I am. I'm thankful He's faithful to me when I'm not faithful to Him. Heavenly Father, have Your way in this altar call this morning. Draw us closer to You. And everyone said, Amen. Come this morning as we sing. Come and boldly approach. Are you tired? Do you feel like you're away from God in your home?